talk a lot about EdTech buzzwords and phrases at EdSurge, but we're going to focus on one in particular today, growth mindset. When you hear the words growth mindset, what do you think of? Well, these days I think of interminable arguments over education, but I also think of like plucky students. I feel the same way. You know, it's a tool that can help students overcome setbacks and even use them as fuel. Adults sure do love to talk about growth mindset. Speaking of which, we have two adults on our own show today. Eduardo Briseño of Mindset Works in conversation with our very own CEO, Betsy Corcoran. Oh, Mindset Works does great stuff. I'm actually excited to hear from him. And first up, we have the news. I'm Mary Jo Mata. And I'm Blake Montgomery. Does it work? That's the short but very complicated question asked of all education technology tools. The best yet often unsatisfying answer to that question is, it depends. EdSearch reporter Patty Gomez talked to SRI researchers Barbara Means and Jeremy Rochelle, who dove into dozens of EdTech products to see what works. They share five observations on efficacy this week that should be intuitive, but are often forgotten. Here's one, for example. The big first step to evaluating if a tool is effective is to have clarity on the outcomes that it is trying to achieve. Pitch competitions aren't only for starry-eyed entrepreneurs and stuffy investors. At the Q National Conference in Palm Springs this month, six teachers pitched their peers on new ways to improve their practices. Ed Surge's community manager, Molly Levitt, shared this week how a little friendly competition in your school can foster innovation. She urges schools and districts to create their own teacher tank after the popular show Shark Tank. And you never know, Mark Cuban might show up at your door, inviting you to come on his television show Shark Tank. Speeding up a medical education sounds a little perilous, but what if it gives students more experience? Well, the University of Texas system is rolling out a portfolio of competency-based degree programs that match undergraduate and graduate studies with industry demands. Biomedical science degrees are first in line at the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley. Getting more experience in less time sounds, well, healthy. EdTech entrepreneur and investor John Katzman once said he preferred, quote, pudgier startups in the education space. But his latest startup, Noodle.com, may have gotten a little too fat. Last week, Noodle.com slashed its marketing and editorial departments, laying off between 10 and 20 people across both teams. Quote, this was an overfunded startup that I've been too patient with, Katzman told EdSurge in an exclusive interview. It's no longer just Neil deGrasse Tyson videos in the classroom, people. Video clips and filming apps let any student or teacher become a producer or a star. But like all EdTech, simply throwing it into the classroom doesn't always help students learn. School administrator Patricia Brown offers ways this week to better incorporate video into instruction, inside and outside of the classroom. For example, she argues that teachers should use video to record themselves and others for professional development purposes. Video helps to identify those nitty-gritty best practices. And now, it's time for kitchens. Baiju, a startup based in Bengaluru, India, has raised $75 million from Sequoia Capital and Safina, according to LiveMint. Founded in 2011 by Baiju Ravindran, 
The company makes an app that delivers video lessons as preparation for standardized tests. Here in the States, Permission Click closed a $1.75 million seed round led by Friesen's Corporation with Real Ventures and others investing. The Winnipeg, Canada-based company offers a tool that generates and processes permission slips, forms, and payments required for school activities. And finally, New York City-based Full Stack Academy, which offers part and full-time software engineering courses, has bought the Starter League, a coding boot camp in Chicago geared towards beginners. Terms of the deal were not disclosed. Congratulations to them and to all the other companies that raised money this week. We've heard a lot about the growth mindset of late. We've even debated it on this podcast before with Diane Taverner and Benjamin Riley. Yeah, I'm <laughs> feeling a little tired about talking about it, to be honest. For those of you who are unfamiliar, the growth mindset is the belief that traits like intelligence aren't static, but can be grown with hard work. Are we really doing this? I feel like my growth mindset about this talk about growth mindset is not very large right now. You're welcome. Oh, geez. Well, the reason I'm sort of tired of hearing about it, you know, just a little bit, is because it's become an almost inescapable part of education conversations these days. For example, a recent headline I saw asked if the growth mindset was going the way of the movement for educational self-esteem. Like it'll become limp and insipid? Yeah, yeah, kind of. I mean, the growth mindset is subject to a lot of misconceptions. Often it doesn't feel like we're talking about the thing itself, like with students in the classroom and their ways of thinking, just kind of like the idea of that. As often happens in debates about personalized learning and blended and education and so on and so forth. Well, maybe it'll help you to hear from an expert. Eduardo Briseño's company, Mindset Works, has been translating research into practice for nine years and has been promoting the growth mindset for that long as well. Our very own CEO, Betsy Corcoran, spoke with him to clarify and learn what it takes to identify and solve the right problems in research and education. Hello, and this is Betsy Corcoran. I'm CEO and co-founder of EdSurge. Today, I have the great privilege of having Eduardo Brissignol, uh, who is CEO and co-founder of Mindset Works, with me as a guest. We're going to talk about the growth mindset, what it's meant for schools, kids, and what it has meant for his company. So here we go. Eduardo, first, thank you so much for coming in. I'm really excited to have you here. Thanks, Betsy. It's great to be here. Uh, So, little inside secret, folks. Eduardo and I were actually part of a very informal kind of chatting group about ed tech companies way back when, before I started EdSurge, and he had already started Mindset Works then, because you actually got started when you met Carol Dweck. Yeah, I was at Stanford in 2007, that's when I met her, and uh, we started Mindset Works together with a couple of people back then, yeah. It was fun to be with you in that small group and uh, in that way, EdSurge and Mindset Works are sister companies and it's really fun to see what they've become and how awesome EdSurge have become. Oh, thank you. I'd love to say I paid you for that, but I probably couldn't afford <laughs> to do that. Um, but it's absolutely true. And what's been fascinating too has been how much the growth mindset idea has become a really prevalent part of the education conversation, particularly in the last couple of years. As I said, you've been doing this for nine years. Carol Dweck obviously has been doing it for a lot longer than that. But growth mindset, I mean, this has become almost a new fad. It's almost a silver bullet. So maybe what we should do is start by talking about a couple of myths and a couple of truths about what growth mindset really means. So tell me, is it really just about like, okay, you're going to work hard, 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 hard? 
Yeah, so that is one of the misconceptions we see around growth mindset is that people uh, and teachers or parents get really excited about the idea of praising kids for working hard, and then they come to the conclusion that growth mindset work is just about doing that. Uh, but there are a couple of uh, issues with that. And by the way, that's that's totally normal. We are just novices when we're learning something new, and uh, and we're excited that there's a lot of people interested in it, and we just want to take that excitement and deepen understanding. Uh, so one of the issues with just thinking that this is about praising kids for working hard is that often what we see is adults uh, praising students for working hard when students are not actually working hard. So that's one one issue. Uh, we need to be true and to actually talk about things that are true so that we can help, help students. Um, another issue is that uh, working hard uh, so, so sometimes students are working hard and they're not making progress or being successful. And then the adult might say, oh, uh, well, at least they're working hard. I like that. I'm just going to praise that. But the problem is that what the student is doing is just, um, it's not working. And so if we're praising it and we want more of it, they're not likely to see success. And so what would be more helpful would be to ask and, and ha have the student reflect on how they're going about the learning process, what strategies they're using and what they could do differently if what they're doing is not working. It's similar to a teacher uh, who might be working really hard to uh, unleash success in his or her students and you know, he or she might not find success in the first year or two. Um, and the answer sometimes comes says, okay, you have to work harder. You have to stay up longer at night and spend more time lesson planning. Uh, and that, that can be part of the answer. But uh, what often we forget to do is to reflect on, okay, what is it that I'm doing and what can I do differently? What can I try differently? Uh, because what I'm doing is not being effective. So how can I learn different strategies that can be effective for other people uh, about how, how to approach my growth? And, and how to enable student success. But sometimes isn't it a good idea to praise students for just giving it a good solid try? I mean, if they have had bad success or no success in the past, yes. is there value in saying to them, yeah, you know, keep at it. You got to keep doing it. Is that helpful or does that hurt? Absolutely. And, and there's a lot of research that Carol Dweck has done, and this is why people get excited, uh, where praising the process or the effort uh, leads uh, students to foster more of a growth mindset uh, and to work on that effort. Uh, and that, that is a good thing, and we can do that sometimes. But if we do too much praise, another issue with praise um, is that praise can become uh, kind of nagging students if we're just doing it all the time, right? And it can even become, if, if, if so in the best of scenarios, uh, if students really value praise and they want more praise, then it can kind of become an extrinsic reward and they're kind of doing the behaviors because they want the praise rather than because they want to learn and they want to grow. Uh, so an, a more advanced uh, method of communication later on might be to have them reflect on what they're doing, like asking them questions. You know, what, what, are, what do you want to learn about? What are you learning about in school? What mistakes are you making? What are you learning from those mistakes? What are you struggling with? Uh, what different strategies are going to try next time and have them kind of reflect rather than just praise them about, you know, you're doing good, you're doing well here, you're not doing well here. Uh, asking them questions, having them reflect and engaging in conversations. And that's just 
around the communication. There's a lot more beyond that to growth mindset work. A really important part of it is to model being lifelong learners ourselves. Uh, and that means not just being the person who knows everything and has all the answers and is always right and never makes a mistake, but what are we trying to improve on ourselves and what questions do we have that we don't know the answer to? And how can we be partners with students so that we're all learning together and we're not the person who knows it all and is going to impair the knowledge to them? So it also sounds like what you're saying is that to do growth mindset well, a teacher shouldn't just be randomly praising or praise nagging, which I love that idea. I suspect my children think I praise (laughs) nag all the time. Um, But that the teacher or the who's ever leading it actually has to be changing too. I mean, talk a little bit about whether growth mindset, I mean, can you it, it sounds like it's really a two-way street. It's about the learner, but it's also about the educator. Is that the case? Absolutely. So a growth mindset uh, is about improving and always working to improve ourselves. And in order to improve, we have to change. So we have to come to the realization that if we're going to get better, we have to change. And we have to be committed to changing all the time. Uh, and in order for that to take place, if we're, if we're saying growth mindset is important, it's important throughout our lives, uh, and we want students to have a growth mindset throughout our lives, we have to model that. And that means that we have to constantly be experimenting, seeing what works, what doesn't work, and be committed to changing, to improving over time. Now, another issue that's come up a lot, we've, we've had a lot of pushback and quite appropriately so on too much testing and too much kind of measurement and assessment. Is it the case that, uh, gosh, if you've got a growth mindset, if you're, you're trying and you're improving that we don't have to worry about the results? Will the results just come out or where, where does assessment play into this? Yeah, well, that's interesting. Um, it, it is the case that if you focus on a growth mindset and on improvement, then results will follow. You will increase your performance and be able to perform higher in performance tasks, whether they're performance assessments or tests or when you go out to a job and do an interview and, and do the job itself. Um, but um, sometimes people, um, because there's, there is too much emphasis on assessments, especially summative assessments rather than formative assessments, um, sometimes there's the impression that tests are conducive to a fixed mindset and that they, in, in a world of pure growth mindset, there shouldn't be tests or performance doesn't matter. And that's not the case. Uh, first of all, the research shows that if we foster a growth mindset, we will get better and be able to perform higher. So if we are assessing performance and we're not getting better, there's an issue with our process. It is an issue for us to think about, okay, what we're doing is not working really well. How can we improve? So the test, even if it's a summative test, is helpful Is, is helpful to give us information about how good have we become, how much progress are we making. It also gives us an opportunity to, to practice what we're learning, which is really helpful for learning. And it also points us to where we have misconceptions or confusion, what else that it is that we need to work on so that we go in, when we go back to the classroom, to the learning zone, we have more information on what we need to practice so that we can perform more highly. But yes, results matters, performance high matters, and a growth mindset helps us achieve higher performance. Dang, so this is not a way to get out of testing. It's not, Shoot. unfortunately. <laughs> oh, well. Of course, that we're all for more formative assessments and using assessments for learning rather than just to uh, label people or, or, or um, kind of 
sort people into groups, uh, but there is a place for testing uh, in learning. Okay. Um, you know, you've been working with schools for, you know, just about, I think, the entire time that you guys have existed as a company. First, tell me how many how many schools are using some of the products that, that you guys have built based around growth mindset? Yeah, we serve thousands of schools in, um, I believe, 49 U.S. states and several different countries and, and their teachers and students. Um, and so, yeah, we it's it's been just also by word of mouth. We don't do any kind of very, very little sales and marketing. Um, and through technology, by leveraging technology, we can reach people in lots of places. And how many of those schools where you've got, you know, that's always the question I've got to ask, you know, lots of people have one teacher in a school someplace in the middle of nowhere. How many schools, how many whole schools are actually using your technology? Yeah, we have over a thousand uh, whole schools using our all our technology, which are using our technology to both train all of their teachers, all of their staff, and then all of their students. Cool. So tell me a little bit about the products, because again, Carol Dweck certainly wrote about a lot of these ideas in her books. I could just buy her books. So what happens when I buy your products? And tell me a little bit about some of the schools that are using them. Sure. So what what we have focused on at Mindset Works from the beginning, which I'm very proud of, is that we have always focused on building a growth mindset culture in the school, as opposed to trying to change students as individual brains and just trying to change your brain without trying to change what's around them. And so what, what we do is we have a product called Mindset Maker, which is an online professional development for teacher teams. And teachers go through this course together, uh, which includes video content, but also discussion activities, formative assessments, reflection activities, prompts and resources so that they can talk about their school practices from a growth mindset lens and and figure, and talk about okay the way that we are talking with students which way in which ways does it foster fixed mindsets or growth mindsets or the way that we are framing lessons or the way that we are grading uh, or the way that we're doing parent student conferences or whatever else uh, kind of let's look at all these practices that we have are we modeling a growth mindset as teachers uh, and what can we do in changing our instructional practices so that we create a more growth mindset culture in within adults and within students and within the parent community. Um, so that's part of it is training teachers and that's where it starts. Uh, and then we also have products to foster a growth mindset in students after teachers are trained. Um, and the, the biggest one that we have there is called Brainology, is for middle school students and, and ninth graders uh, to learn about the brain and the, that the brain is malleable and effective study strategies. Uh, and it's, it's a product that has that was born out of Carol Dweck's and Lisa Blackwell's research, and we have continued to improve over the years. Can you use one without the other? You know, you can. We actually started just with Brainology, which is a product that, that Carol and Lisa developed in, in research. And it, um, it was actually, to some degree, a consumer product as well. It right? was all, yeah, it's still, parents can actually get it for the students also, mm-hmm. uh, for their kids. And, and it is something that can be used on its own, especially by uh, teachers who know a fair amount about growth mindset. There are teachers who have uh, read the book, have thought about this for a long time, and they want to bring uh, uh, a growth mindset to their students, and this is a a tool to do that. Um, And for that reason, we didn't kind of do any sales and marketing. We were having teachers self-select into finding us because we wanted to find teachers who really were well-educated um, and didn't didn't need the training. Later, we developed the training through a contract with the U.S. Department of Education uh, because we all 
you know, wanted, and including the teachers, we wanted for all teachers to be able to learn about this, even if they didn't know much about growth mindset. Because what was happening is the teachers were doing brainology with their students in their classroom, but the students were going to the next classroom, and the teacher there was using a bunch of fixed mindset language, and that was, you know, the students were confused, and it was undermining the, the growth mindset work that this teacher was doing. So we, we knew from the onset that it was important to create a growth mindset culture where everybody was on the same page. And that's why we created Mindset Maker. Since then, we have developed other products, like the Leader Kit is about for school leaders. It's a set of resources for leader ki- for leaders. Uh, and we have other, other resources that we're developing as well, all with the purpose uh, of fostering a growth mindset culture at the school. It sounds like you have learned in a growth mindset kind of way from some of your customers too. Are, are, yes. can you Can you point to any particular schools where you know, you came away with it saying, wow, they, they could have been paying us for this one because we really learned a lot <laughs> from this engagement. Sure, absolutely. I mean, when when we visit schools, there's, there's so much to learn uh, about the realities of doing this work and the realities of being an educator uh, and working in, in this context. And, uh, and that, that happens all the time. Uh, the schools that, and, and we do see uh, across the board, uh, very positive results on mindset and, and on the effects of the programs. Uh, there are some schools that are exemplary in, in what they have done. Such and, as? Uh, uh, for example, uh, Lennox Academy in New York City comes to mind. Uh, Stuart Hobson in DC comes to mind, uh, but there's there's a lot of other schools, and and what they do is they start with the adults. They start by having the adults take a journey, uh, learn about growth mindset, but also identify where we have fixed mindsets because we all have fixed mindsets on different things, including students as well as ourselves, and we need to become acquainted with that to increase our self awareness to really understand mindset deeply and also be able to take that journey ourselves and then be able to help our students take that journey. Um, so having student having a adult community that's really committed to 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 this they think is important uh, which involves lots of things like in it involves for example making it safe for people to talk about things that might not be comfortable to talk about like for example fixed mindset about kids if that's a reality and we have some beliefs that are getting in the way we have to be able to talk about them uh, or to be able to to take risks and try something in your classroom that might not work and learn from it uh, yeah. so here I'm gonna ask you to take a risk and yeah. show that you have a real growth mindset around running the company sure. so you know again you've been at this nine years give me an example of how you had some sort of fixed idea mm-hmm. coming into the company as an entrepreneur and how growth mindset has actually made a better entrepreneur a better ceo out of you mm-hmm. great uh well i can i can give you a lot of examples of, uh where i've taken the journey from fixed to growth mindset in my personal life uh in my work life uh, because growth mindset has been really important from the beginning, I think we have done a lot of great things from the beginning that are growth-minded oriented. Oh, come on, there must but, be one. <laughs> but no, I mean, there are a lot of mistakes we've taken, right? Like, for example, uh, we have um, we have engaged in distribution partnerships uh, with partners either in the U.S. or abroad, uh, where we spent a lot of time on a partnership. You know, we we pulled people in our company away from things that were very high priority to to make a partnership work, um, spent a lot of time on it, and then the 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 
um, the engagement was not successful. And so when things like that happen, uh, we, we talk about what we did, what led to the mistake, and how we can behave differently in the future. What can we learn from this, and how, how will we work differently in the future? Um, and so looking at mistakes and reflecting on them, uh, what we can learn from them and what will be different in the future, uh, that's something that, um, that, that is important. Uh, something else that I think is more closely related to growth mindset would be that I came to Mindset Works with, uh, and, and with, with the idea and so focused around growth mindset that it was almost the idea that anybody could join the company and no matter what experience they had, they could become really good really quickly. Um, and it, you know, I still believe that people can develop and, and develop over time, but often in a, in, a, in, a, in a young company that needs to get things done really quickly, uh, prior expertise is important and the prior knowledge that people bring into the company is important. And of course, we all continue to work to improve ourselves, but I think over time where we've looked not only for a growth mindset in people who join our company, but also for them to be able to, to, to get, you know, get, get going from day one, uh, with the, the things that we need in order to be successful in the short term because we are trying to move really fast. So that's a really interesting point that, that you can have a growth mindset, but if you and the environment that you're in are moving at different paces, then you can still have a mismatch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, great. So Eduardo, again, you have an unusual company. Not only are you as deeply research-based as I think anybody we've encountered, uh, you also haven't raised any funding. You've managed yeah. to be cash flow positive, and you have, uh, I think you've said, about 17 employees. And yeah. congratulations, you haven't mortgaged your house or put a double <laughs> mortgage on your house. Although in Silicon Valley, that's actually probably a good idea these days. Um, what other piece of advice would you, if we were starting our discussion group at Stanford now, knowing what we know, what what piece of advice would you give to an incoming wet behind the ears entrepreneur who's just starting out well something that's worked really well for us and for me is to really um, follow something that i think is really important and when we started mindset works uh, we thought that lifelong learning was really important that developing students as motivated and effective learners is important and we thought that it would be hard and it would take a very long time it wasn't a high priority for schools and that is why we decided not to raise any funding because investors tend to be um, uh, impatient and we thought that this wouldn't happen from one day to the other so we prepared for a marathon rather than a sprint and we structured the company appropriately rather than try to uh, I mean it, it could have been I think we could have raised money and convinced people with Carol Dweck and really exciting research uh, to raise money and and I think that we we would have failed because uh, people would have been had expectations that we couldn't have met um, so but I think at the end of the day what's most important to me is we are in this because we're passionate we think this is important we want to, we want to change the world um, and and it's going to take a lot of time and effort and commitment and and it's not worth it if where you don't really think it's important. I think you're absolutely right. Picking the right problem makes all the difference. Eduardo, thank you so much for coming into EdSurge, and we hope to see you back here again soon. Thanks, Betsy. Great to chat with you. You too. A big thanks to Eduardo Brisseño of Mindset Works for speaking with Betsy. We learned a lot. I'm pretty jazzed to talk about the growth mindset again. And we're hoping to learn even more about growth mindset, about teaching practice, about favorite teacher tools, 
just about everything. And you know where we're going next to achieve that, Blake? I don't. Tell me. Tell me. We are heading to Florida. That's right. We are going to Fort Lauderdale for our next Ed Surge Tech for School Summit on May 6th and 7th. It's sure to be a fabulous affair. And educators, you guys get in for free. And by the way, companies, you can still apply to be a part of this summit. The deadline is March 30th for company applications, and you can get all the information by Googling Ed Surge Summit Florida. Trust me, it'll be the first link that shows up. Oh, that's so fun. I want to go to Florida. Well, that's all from us today, folks. I'm Blake Montgomery. And I'm Mary Jo Mata. We'll see you all next week. This is the Ed Surge Podcast. Thank you.